Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for, for another opportunity to be in his house today. If you will, turn with me today to Genesis chapter 22. And I'm going to read one verse and then I'm going to, we're going to pray and then be seated. And then I'm on uh, the next few verses. I'm going to kind of break down a little bit and into where I want to talk today. And But if you will, jo join me in Genesis chapter 21 and verse 1. Today, I feel like God is, as I was praying this week, and God was giving me something for the day we're living in, where we're at today in this world. I feel like God is directing us as a church and as a and each one of us individually. Genesis chapter 22 and 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Today, if you will, join me in prayer today. I'm going to talk to us for a little few minutes about, Behold, here I am, Lord. Lord, I ask you right now to touch this, this, this congregation today. I ask you to minister right now to each one of us here today. Lord, I ask you to speak through this earthly vessel. Lord Jesus, and allow me, Lord Jesus, to be anointed today, Lord. Allow these words to come off of my lips today, Lord Jesus. And I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to minister, Lord Jesus, to this congregation, Lord, each one that's here today and in person today. And, Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to honor, Lord Jesus, the word. Lord Jesus, it goes forth over the airwaves. Lord Jesus, and I ask you to minister right now, Lord Jesus, to any, everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord. And give us an encouraging word today. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Today, the story I, I read the beginning of, or in the middle of, kind of, but I just feel like God is, we find God calling Abraham. And the Bible says, and God tempted Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham, and Abraham said, Behold, here I am. Here I am. But you know, what we're taking in the next verse, in the next, actually in the next 16 verses or 17 verses, we find the, the, the story of Abraham and God telling him to sacrifice his son. In verse 2, the Bible says, And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moab, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountain mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took of his two men with him and Isaac his son and clave the woods for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. And on the, then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, He said, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Today, you know, and I'm going to stop here for just a second, but the scripture says, you know, here Abraham, God calls him to sacrifice his only son. His promise. His promise, he told him to sacrifice it on the altar. And Abraham does exactly. He doesn't hesitate Abraham goes exactly in the early in the morning. He gets up and they head out on this journey. And the three days into this journey, Abraham lifts up his eyes and sees this a place. 
afar off. And sometimes, you know, when we go through this journey, God calls us somewhere. God directs us in a direction. And sometimes, you know, it's not just, just happens, it happens, you know, we want everything to happen right now. And so many times in life, you know, here, like even this here journey, here, here God called Abraham to do something. But it didn't just, he didn't, he had a three-day journey into this process. It gave him some time to, to think about it and debate about this thing. Debate about this decision. And so many times in our life when we have this, and we, sometimes, you know, even we put myself in this position, if I was told to, to go sacrifice my child or sacrifice my promise, you know, that would be a decision, okay, right then, okay, I feel like I'm in the, under the anointing. Right now, let's go do that. But, you know, you get three days' journey into that. And Abraham was still committed yes. to go forward, yes. even though he had a couple of days to think about this, had some dusty road to think about his. But then Abraham tells the young men that goes with him, he says, abide here. And me and, the, me and the lad are going yonder to worship. And he says something, and I believe this was something where God, he, he was promised and he was committed to what God said. He says, we're going to go yonder to worship, and then we're going we're gonna to come again to you. So he, he knew in his promise, he knew what he was going to do. But I feel like God had gave him something. He had enough confidence in God. And we're going to talk, I'm going to talk about that just in a few more minutes. In verse 6, the Bible says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went bo both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. You know, we find here, and stop here for just a second, in verse 8, he says, What he, he says, Isaac, you know, he's not, this is, you know, we talk, we think of Isaac sometimes, and I mentioned this the other day, is we think of Isaac as this little child. But Isaac was actually a grown man. And so when he says, you know, he looked at this and he says, well, dad, I see this, the, what we have, we're going, I know we're going to sacrifice. And he'd been around his dad long enough. He knew that they were going to be, they had to have a, they had to have something they were sacrificing. They had the wood, they had the fire, but where was the sacrifice? And Abraham, knowing what he was going to do, said, God will provide the offering. Verse 9 says, And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar, upon the altar. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said in verse 12, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast with, not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. Verse 13 says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and beheld a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. 
And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. As it was said to this day, the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saying the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and, ha and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son. Verse 17 says that in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of which upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And verse 18 says, And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Today I was going to talk, you know, as I said as earlier, as my title is, Behold, I am here. I am. Sorry about that. But I, the title is Behold, Here I Am, Lord. And today, what God is calling Abraham to do in this thing, he was calling him to sacrifice his son, but he didn't want him to kill his son. He just wanted him to be willing to sacrifice. Wanted him to be willing to sacrifice the promise in his life. There were seven occasions upon which we're told that Jehovah appeared to Abraham. This was the final appearance and it was the most startling and the most remarkable call that ever came to Abraham. Not a promised word, not a promised blessing, no light of future victories, no reassuring a word or giving a cheer and a comfort for him. There was no command without reason. There was a command without reason giving, without a promise made or obedience to which the threatened all and this obedience to this threatened all the values of the past. He said, take now thy son, thy only son, and offer him. And what he was saying to Abraham is, there wasn't going to be no promise of future things. At this point in, in this command, God, God was telling Abraham just to take thy son and offer him. He wouldn't later when he obeyed that promise. You know, sometimes we look, we jump ahead because we know the end of the story, because he honored that promise and he did what God told him to do, or or was willing to do what God told him to do. We see that his blessings was the grains of sand and and numbered as the stars in heaven. But at this point, Abraham didn't have that promise. He was just doing what God wanted him to do. He was just committed to do whatever God told him to do and he says here I am God here I am Lord use me and use me trials that are sent by God are never employed for the purpose of injury or for hurt sometimes we face things in life and we want to throw, give all credit to the enemy we say well the enemy is battling me today and the enemy, enemy is trying me today but some things some trials and some things we go through come from God but the trials that come from God today was not sent by God to destroy us it was not to stand, sent to do injury us, injure us or, or tear us down the trials that sent to God was for a reason it was sent to, for us to prepare us and to give us and, and prove us and for, prove, give us the power for resistance a weight is attached to a rope not to break it but to prove it Pressure is applied to a boiler, not to burst it, but to certify its power against resistance. So faith grows stronger by exercising patience 
and even even by enduring sorrow. Sometimes we go through things in life, we must go through things to increase our faith. Our faith has to be stretched for it to grow. Yes, it does. Our faith will not grow unless it's been stretched. That's right. Amen. Unless we go through some things that tries our faith. Right. And that's the only way our faith can grow. We want to say, we, I want great faith. Yeah. I want my faith to grow and I want to be yeah. faithful and I want to be this and I want to be that. But our faith has to go down a road. We have to be, our faith has to be proven. It has to be tested. There's a difference of being involved and being committed. So many times in life, we can feel like we're involved. I'm involved in church. I'm involved in everything that I do. I'm involved in this and that. But it's, it's a difference to be committed. This morning, if you ate bacon and eggs for breakfast, the hen or the chicken she was involved but the pig was committed and that's sometimes and that's how we are God is looking for people who not looking for people who cackle and lay an egg he is looking for ones that's willing to give slices of themselves to the kingdom of God that is that is what God meant when he says a living sacrifice we need to not just be let's not be involved we got to be committed. We got to be willing to share slices of ourselves. That's what Abraham was doing when he said, "I will willing to do whatever God says. I will give my only son. I will sacrifice my only son." He was slicing off pieces of himself and giving it to God. Cross bearing is not popular. You're not going to be the the heel when you you bear God's cross. You're not going to be popular in this world. You're not going to be shouted from the roof. Your name may not be shouted from the rooftops. Because your cross-bearing is not popular. But the cross is the only ladder that reaches the thresholds of heaven. And so the only way to get to heaven is by this cross. By that cross, we've got to be committed to the cross. Three ways to be totally committed to God. The first one is you must make God your priority. We must remember, we remember when no one else has your back, God has your back. And so many times in life, you know, we find ourselves feeling like we're all alone. We feel like we're, we're dispatched into this world. We feel like we're, no, nobody else has our back. But remember, God always has our back. Deuteronomy 6 and 5 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. We need to love him not just love him and say we love him. So many times that word love in this world we today we live. That word love, word love is just thrown out there so easily. It's, it's just, it's just oh, I love you, I love this, or I love that. That word has lost its meaning because we just use it just casually. But the Bible says we must love God with all our heart and with our soul. And with all our might. So we must love God with everything in us. He is the reason that you live today. He is the reason that you breathe each day. He loves you so much and he always wants the best for you. Why not return that favor and devote yourself to pleasing him? Spend quality time with him each day through prayer and study his word. Quickly obey him when he knows you know He wants you to do something. You will find great pleasure in life when you know that you're pleasing God. When you're truly pleasing God, you'll find pleasure 
in your life. Include Him in everything we do. Talk to Him first when we're facing something difficulties. Sometimes in life we find ourselves looking to Him as last resort. We look at Him, well, well, everything else has failed, now I'll turn to God. That's just where we're at today. I'm 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 being transparent today. That's where I find myself. So many times in life I find myself, well, the doctor didn't heal me though. Let's just let's see, if, see if God can do it. But we need to turn to God in first thing when we, we, we enter difficulties. Always remember that He loves spending time with you. Yes, He does. Amen. So we must talk to Him often. Share everything with Him. After all, He should be our best friend. You know, we time sometimes in life, you know, we may have Facebook and we may have hundreds or thousands of friends on Facebook. But God should be our best friend. He, he is there when no one else. Amen. He's there. He's there. He, he's there when, when we don't look like we look on our Facebook photo. That's right. So many times in life, you know, we, we post this picture and so many times we edit this picture and so many times we make sure everything's just right before we post it on there, before we publish it or before we, we share it on Facebook. Right. Everybody here agree with me? That's right. But sometimes God is with us when we don't, we're, we're not that perfect image. That's right. God is there for us when we're not just everything just right. So we must make Him our priority in our life. So many things in this world, it, it pushes us. So many things in this world, it tries, to, tries to, to push Him out of our life. And I believe that's where we're at in this world today. I believe we've, tried, we've pushed God to the side. May God are just, a, just, a, just if, if we have time for Him. We must make God a priority to be committed. The second thing is we must refuse to compromise. Galatians 6 and 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Tonight we cannot compromise any area of our life. The Bible says we shall reap what we, we deserve if we faint not. If we do not compromise, if we do not turn back, if we'll keep pushing forward, we do not compromise. We must make a stand for righteousness. We must learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Sometimes in our life we find ourselves just saying, oh, this, this won't hurt me. Everybody else is doing this. But we must learn, we must love what God loves and hate what He hates. Don't get into the mindset that proclaims worldly wisdom as truth when it doesn't even come close to lining up with the word of God. So many times in, you know, we, we see where people believe this and, well, this is okay now and this is fine. But if it doesn't line up with this word of God, we cannot compromise what we believe. We must, we must align, align everything we do and must not compromise the word of God. Don't yield to negative pressure. In this world, there's peer pressure that we all face. You know, peer pressure. We sometimes we think that's just a teenager thing. That's just a youth thing. But we face peer pressure right through all through life. We find peer pressure throughout life. No matter how young we are, or how old we are, we all face peer pressure. And there's negative peer pressure in our life that we cannot yield to. We cannot compromise. You may feel all alone if everyone else is in unison about a particular matter. And you refuse to side with them. Sometimes we find ourselves all alone when we stand for what God says. We stand what His Word says. We find ourselves going a different road than everyone else. But we cannot 
compromise. Just know that God is with you. And He is pleased with you when you obey what the way that He has lined for your life. There's a familiar quote that's worthy of putting to memory which says, you and God are the majority. Sometimes we look at where everybody else is going. And I've heard people say, you know, well, if everybody else is doing this, it must be okay. But sometimes the Word of God directs us to go down a different path. We have to, if we're going to stay and not compromise our relationship with God, we're going to have to go down a path that's least traveled. We're going to have to go down a road sometimes that's, that, that everybody away from everybody else is going. But just remember, if God is on your side, you're in the majority. Because God has, has the, he is the direction. The third thing is we must reject interferences in our life. John 8 and 12 says, Then spake Jesus again, saying, them spake again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We must reject the, anyone that's directing us in a wrong direction. We must make a strong resolve within ourselves that nothing or no one will ever come between me and my relationship with God. When you know that He is the most important person in your life, you will be quickly recognize the things that's trying to take the focus away from and your alliance away from the King of Kings. When you're tempted to leave the Lord out of certain situations in your life, um, immediate red flag should go up, letting you know that you're getting off a of track. If you're going to start going down a road or going down something that's contrary to this Word of God, they should be red flags that jumps up in your life. And I've been down that road. I know exactly where I'm going. I've been going down the road when God, when God started raining red flags in my life. And I knew I was going down the wrong road when it started. When I seen them red flags, and it pulled, it was pulling me away. When you're tempted to leave the Lord out of them situations, look for the red flags in your life. Look for the things in your life that you, and that's how you know you're going in the wrong direction. Because God will give you that urge, that urging in your heart, that 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 presence in your life that directs you back. The enemy loves to direct our attention away from God. And I believe that's where we at it. We live in this world today. The world is trying to direct us away from the real direction. Trying to direct us away from God. And that's the enemy's attack. He, if he can get us looking over here, as I heard the other day of, as a minister preaching a message, and he says that's the, that's the trick of a, a good mag, mag, uh, magic. Mag, a magician. Sorry. I get my, my words here. Magician. Is to get both your eyes looking at this hand. When when not watching what this hand is doing. And that's what the enemy tries to do in his life. He tries to, to get both of our eyes looking at this hand. While he's sliding this other hand and doing things behind. And that's what the world is trying to do in our life, and the enemy is trying to do. This is we must be quick to change by repenting, rebuking the enemy, and putting our focus right back on the Lord. This weekend we've been celebrating the independence, the 4th of July, Declaration of Independence and the men that signed our independence, our freedom. But I just want to share something with you today that I felt like that was, that was, that was worth sharing on this weekend and about this message. The 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, their convictions resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and their families. 
Of these 56 men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ramshacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary War. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds of hardship of the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home, one of the one that signed the Declaration of Independence's home for his headquarters. Nelson quickly ordered, which then was General George Washington, to open fire on his own home, and his home was destroyed, and Nelson died in bankruptcy. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and mills were destroyed. For over a year, he lived in far, the forest and caves, returning home only to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion. Most of these men that signed this document that they believed in lost everything that they possessed, their own lives, their property, even their, own, their businesses. Going into this, they all was aware of the risk, but went forward without hesitation. And so these, these 56 men, they knew what they were doing when they signed this document. They knew that they were signing, maybe signing their life away. Ultimately, they did sign their life away, their property, because, but they were, they were sold out to this cause. They were sold out because they believed God they believed that was the direction this country needed. And today, ain't we thankful that we had with these 56 men was willing and they were committed to do whatever it took. To whatever, whatever cost it costed them. They were willing to do it because they, they, they were willing to, for us to have freedom that we, we, we enjoy today. And so these, because of these 56 men's commitment to do what they believe was right, today we live in freedom. Today we live with the benefits we have today. Because these men were committed into what they believed in, we enjoy the freedoms today. Philippians 3 and 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. We cannot worry about what we might lose. We may not worry about what we have lost in this life. But we must be reaching forward to the things, things that's before us. And I believe today as we go into this life, we go into this, in, in, in our walk with God, God is calling us to be a committed life. And to be a committed life, we're going to have to give up some things. We're going to have to not worry about what the past or what we may have to lose. But we're going to have to reach for the things, those things that are before. We're going to have to reach for them today. I want to read this. A missionary society wrote to a missionary named David Livingston, Livingstone and asked, Have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we, would want, we want to know how to send other men to join you. So Livingston, Livingstone wrote back, this missionary, he says, If you have men who would, will come only if they know that there is a good road, 
I don't want them to come. I want men who will come if there is a road, not a road at all. And so here we find a missionary. He says, if you've got, if you've got men that just wants to come, if, if there's a good road, if there's already a road paved for them to get here, if that's the only reason they're coming, I don't want them to come. Tell them to just stay where they're at because I want men that's willing to come even if there's not a road. If they have to brush, if they have to chop their way, brush their way, whatever they have to make their way, if they were willing to do whatever it takes to get here, that's the people I want. And that's the people God is looking for in these last days. He's looking for people who, who don't matter if, how paved the road is. Because I believe there's people that, that are willing to do whatever as long as it don't, don't cost them anything. long as it don't take anything out of their life. long as it's just, just everything's easy. It's the easy way. Everybody's looking for the easy way. And sometimes, but God is looking for someone just like this missionary. It doesn't matter if there's not even a road there. That's willing to blaze, blaze their own trail. They'll make a road if they have to to get there. And that's what God is looking for today. We may not looking for someone just to be a follower. He wants someone to be a leader and step into this life. If you're a here today and you're experiencing the loneliness of rejection, then I want you to know that God's looking beyond all those things that the people might consider as ugly or unattractive in your life. He, lo- he looks at your heart. He looks for a love for in everyone, a true love for lost souls. He looks for a, re- a repentant heart. And today that's what he wants. He wants us to have a repentant heart in our life. He wants us to strive for this. He is looking for someone that is committed, no matter what the cost. Whatever it takes, he's wanting someone that's committed to live for him. Psalms 35 and 7 says, Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Today, if we'll be committed to him and trust in him, he shall bring it to pass. You know, I'm talking about giving up some things. We're going to have to be committed but when we commit to the Lord, it's not, it's not throwing, our, throwing our life to the wind. When we're committed to the Lord we, and put our trust in Him, He shall bring it to pass. If you have those things, you're beautiful in God's sight. If you, if you desire for a walk with Him, if you don't have them today, God wants to take you in His arms today and make you into a committed, usable servant. Today I ask you today, do you want to be committed to Him? I believe we're walking in a world today that's just trying to drive us and pull us apart. It's trying to, we're like the magician, it's trying to get us looking over here and, and lead us in the wrong direction. Well, today I ask us today, as we stand across this place, I ask us today, I invite you as the Lord's invitation, I ask you today, if you were willing to come to Him, I ask you today, to reach out and be committed to Him. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 7, he says, I have fought a good fight, and I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul wasn't being bragging here. He was just saying, I have fought a good fight. Hallelujah. Am I perfect? Jesus. No. Jesus. Have I stumbled? Yes. Hallelujah. Have I not done exactly what I probably should have? Probably so. But he says, I have fought a good fight. And I finished my course. And now I'm at the end of my course. And I have kept the faith. Verse 8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me 
a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Yes, thank Today you, when we love him, he loves us. Yes, he, does. he wants to have us to have that committed relationship oh, with him. Yeah, I ask us today, if you're really going to have that closer walk with him, if we want to be committed to him, yes. today I ask us to step out. Yes, Lord. If you want to gather around the front or if you want to make